0: Amen. Would you just pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your presence in this place today. God, I thank you for your goodness, your love, your mercy, your compassion, Lord, that your mercies are new every day. As Amy said earlier, Lord, you give us shoes of peace, that we may walk in peace all of our days as we stay close to you. Lord, we thank you for this Memorial Day weekend. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to recognize those that have gone on before and Lord, those that are out today, those that are at the lake or on vacation or camping or wherever they are, we ask that you keep them safe to watch over them. Bring them back safely next week. We praise you. We thank you for your presence in this place. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. 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 You can be seated. On the way here this morning, um, I was driving. And as I was driving, there's this huge building off to my right. right, And then right next to the building on the corner Was this large overgrown bush shrub? And I honestly, and I was gonna turn right, and honestly, I could not see what was coming from the right until it was right there in front of me. You know what it was? It was a kid that was probably about third grade on his bike with his family out in front, because you know how little boys are, they have to get out in front, they gotta beat everybody. And I hit my brakes, boom, just this morning nearly hit this third-grade kid because I could my whole right side was blinded, and I was, I was crawling. I was going very slow. But I nearly hit him, and I got a look from his dad. Um, and I probably got more than a look, but as soon as I saw the look, I looked away. But I probably, <laughs> had I been watching dad, I probably got more than just a look, nearly running over his kid. And, you know, sometimes in life there are blind spots, aren't there, in life? You, you come across things in life, and it, boom, it hits you, and you don't even see it. You don't even know it's there. You don't even know it's coming. And honestly, it would have been tragic. Even though I was going slow, I still would have hit him, knocked him off his bike, and so on. And life is like that. life Sometimes life just pulls out and hits us while we're going along on our bikes in life. And today, we're going to talk about that. We're going to continue our series. I know it's been a couple of weeks. We're continuing our series, Salty Bro. It's about being offended and what happens when we're offended. And we've talked about, you know, if you remember two weeks ago, we said that the people were offended at Jesus, but they weren't directly offended. They were secondhand Second-handed offense. In other words, they heard it second-handedly about what Jesus was doing. And the Bible literally says in Mark that they got offended and Jesus could not do miracles in that town because they lived their life being offended. When you get offended, you stop the Holy Spirit from moving. He's like, I won't, I won't work in that environment. I will not be a part of that environment. And so when we live a life that's offended, We stop the Holy Spirit from working in our life. The other thing that we talked about is that when you live your life being offended, and as we'll see today, allowing that root of bitterness to grow, God stops listening to your prayers. He's like, I hear you, but I'm not listening until you deal with that. And so many people that I talk to, I don't know why God's not answering my prayers. And I say, are you living with a hidden offense? Have you buried an offense? Have you gotten offended, buried it, and left it alone? And God's like, I hear you, but I'm not answering that until we first deal with this issue. And you continually and you wonder, God's not answering, God's not listening, and so on. So God takes being offended very seriously, and we're going to see that towards the end of today's talk. But life hits you out of nowhere. Look with me in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. The writer of Hebrews tells his readers... See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. The three words, see to it, those three words mean to look inward, to diligently examine your heart, to look inward. Not at them, well, I did that because they did that to me. No, time out. Time out. It's not what the writer of Hebrews is saying. He's saying, If they did something to you or you heard it secondhand, he says, you need to look inwardly. You need to look inside. Why does this offend me? Why am I offended by this? Why does it bother me so much? I need to diligently examine my motives. Well, they did that to me, and that's why I did that to them. No. Why, when they did that to you, did you feel it necessary to do it back to them? Why? What what drove you to return the favor? What in you got offended? What in you got upset? What in you got hurt? Why did it hurt you? Was it something from your childhood that's still there that you haven't resolved? Is it something from a previous work environment? What happened that caused you to retaliate or to say something back or to do something back? Right? What drove that? diligently look inward king solomon says in proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 above all else you guys have heard this a lot from me guard your heart for everything you do flows from it right the word guard literally means to keenly observe to very keenly very astutely go okay what's in here what's what's causing the problem it literally means this the word guard actually it paints a picture of a tower on the corner of a fortress if you can picture like a castle or a fortress in the corner there's a high rise lookout tower and they would look out to see if anything was coming That's what this word refers to. This is what they would refer to with this word. It's a tower. It's like like that deer stand that you get way up in the tree, those of you that hunt, and you sit up in that deer stand so you can look out and you can see the deer coming. They'd look out and see if the enemy was coming. And so King Solomon says, in your heart, you need to have this watchtower that you look out and see, okay, what might be coming that I might get offended at that would affect my heart and damage My relationship with my father. So he tells us to personally, in our own lives, look out for that. If I met with each one of you right now after service, could you tell me that daily you intently look into the motives of your heart? Now sometimes that's hard for us to do. So sometimes what I do is I pray what King David prayed King David said, "Lord, search me, try me, so that I may not sin against you, I may know your ways. Lord, you search me, cuz you'll search me deeper and further than I will search myself, and you show me. You come and show me what's wrong with me. You come and show me where I need to what I need to work on, what I need help with." But it gets better because it isn't just us guarding our hearts and guarding ourselves. But the writer of Hebrews in 12.15, he says, look after each other so that no one of you will f- will f- uh, fail to find God's best blessings. Watch out that no bitterness takes root among you. For as it springs up, it causes deep trouble, hurting many in their spiritual lives. He says, look out after each other. Look out after each other. Look for each other. So I'm guarding my heart. I'm looking after myself, but then I've got people around me that are looking out for me. Tyson, why did you say that? Tyson, why did you do that? As much as it pains me to say this, I thank God for the people that, Tyson, why did you post that on social media? I don't know. I'm sorry. I'll delete it. (laughs) Right? We need people. We need people in our lives that will stand up to us and question what we're doing. It's called accountability. It's called accountability. We need people in our lives that will hold us accountable for the stuff that we do that we don't know. Like, oh, you know, you really shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have acted that way. You shouldn't have responded that way. We need those people in our lives, and we need to invite those people, those people that you can trust. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a good, maybe it's a good godly friend that understands Scripture that can say, hey, correct. <laughs> correct your action, adjust, Right? We need others to see in us what we cannot see in ourselves. We need somebody outside of the situation that doesn't have a dog in the fight, so to speak, to look into the situation and say, that needs, that needs fix. You need to fix that. Right? I thank God for those people in my life. I thank God for the people that I give a car blanche open access to speak into my life, no matter what's going on, no matter what's happening, who don't, who don't really have a dog in the fight, so to speak, they can just say, Tyson, mm-mm. I thank God for the pastors that I have in my life that I meet with on a regular basis, and I tell them what's going on, and they don't go to church here, they don't know anything that's going on, and I share it with them, and they're like, Tyson, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, they can, they can kind of fix that. You see, a lot of times you can't fix something if you're in it, you have to get outside of it, right? You have to, if you're going to work on it, then you can't work in it. If you're going to work on it, you can't work in it. You have to step outside of it to work on it, right? You got to get outside. You got to take, t- take, for example, somebody that wants to get better at hitting a curveball, right? What do they do? First thing they do is they sit back and they say, okay, who hits a curveball really well? What batters do really good at whacking a curveball? And what do they do? They study them. They get out of, they get out of the batter's box, they get out of the uniform, and they might watch YouTube videos, they might read, they might study, they get out of it and they begin to work on it and they begin to study it, and then they go back into the batter's box and then they begin to adjust things. They step out of it, they work on it for a minute, and then they go back into it. If you're going to work and fix something, you must first sometimes step out of it, and then step back into it. I love my wife when I can't get something; something's not working right. You know, I might be working on something around the house, or I might be working on a sermon, and it's just not coming together. And she goes, "Get out of it. Step away from it. Step back." But me, I'm like, "No, I got to keep working. I got to keep looking. I got to keep going. I got to keep going." She's like, "You need to stop. <laughs> step out of it." All right, I'll step out of it, and I'll go do something else and do whatever. Now, don't tell her I said this, but nine times out of ten, she's right, and the other one percent, I'm lying, right? That sometimes when you step out of it, and then you step back into it, it's clearer. It's better. And so I want to tell you that you have to, when it comes to bitterness and when it comes to being offended, You have to allow people in your life to say, I think you're kind of offended by that. Because you must value your relationship with Jesus more than you value a relationship with anybody or anything else. So what do we do? How do we deal with if somebody does offend you? If somebody offends you secondhand, right? So your spouse comes home, this happens to me, right? Your spouse comes home and she starts telling you stuff that happened during the day. And I'm like, they can't do that. And you're hearing it second hand. And you're getting offended at something that you weren't even a part of. Right? And you're offended at people because your spouse said something and it ticked your spouse off, but it had nothing to do with you. And so you get offended. That offense is a detriment to your prayer life and the Holy Spirit working in your life, even though you had nothing to do with it. But you allow that bitterness and that offense to grow. So how do we deal with it? Well, Romans, in Romans chapter 12, verse 14, it says, bless those who persecute you, bless them, don't curse them. Bless those who persecute you, bless them. Now, when I say bless, I think sometimes we're real tempted to say, hey, we just need to bless them, and so you're like, oh, I got a 20, and I'll drop it, right? And I'll just throw money at the situation, because that's a very Western culture thing to do. I'll just throw some money at it, and it'll all be good. Now, the word bless here actually means to speak well of. Speak well of the people that are persecuting you. Mmm, ouch. I've already gotten over the sting of that, because I studied for this. <laughs> but maybe this is the first time you're hearing it, so I'll just let the sting soak in for a minute. Bless. Speak well of. Speak positively. Speak joyfully. Speak peacefully about the people that are persecuting you, that are offending you, that are bothering you. Anybody else struggle with that? Yeah. All right, look at your neighbor and say, I'm on the struggle bus. Look at your other neighbor and say, look at your other neighbor and say push me off the struggle bus. Push me off the struggle bus. Ask him to push you off the struggle bus. You need that person that's going to push you off the struggle bus and say, hey, get off this bus. It's not a healthy bus. Right? You need to speak positively of the people that rub you the wrong way. Wasn't it Jesus hanging on the cross to look down at the people that crucified him and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do? Mm. (laughs) Mmm. Ouch. That hurts. Right? You know what happens though? And and I know this. I'm just going to share this from experience and I'm not going to mention names or anything. But like, you're sitting down, you go out to eat with somebody, and you're sitting down, and the conversation gets going. You're just talking, and what is it about food in our mouth that seems to loosen up our tongue, and we just talk about stuff? <laughs> Have you noticed that? And so you're just talking, and then they start talking about how wonderful some, somebody is, and you happen to know them, but they don't know that you know them, and they don't know that you've been offended by them, and that you don't really like them. And they're talking about how wonderful they are, and they're going on and on and on, and you're thinking in your head, <laughs> you don't know what I know about them if you only knew, right? And so we don't really wanna come out and be like the bad guy. So we say something slightly passive aggressive. We kinda slide a comment under the table hoping they catch it so that when they catch it then we can start talking about how bad that person really is and we can change their mind so that they come into agreement with what we think about that person. I'm not gonna ask anybody to raise their hands if you've done that because everybody should raise their hand and I'm not gonna invite you to lie in church for not raising your hand. But you know what we're talking about, how, you know, somebody just, oh, they're so, they're so wonderful and nice and da 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 And you're thinking, mm, and you say, well, you know, and then you just say whatever you're going to say. And because you want to, you're trying to bait them. That is the complete opposite of what Romans means. The complete opposite. You're supposed to speak well of them even though they've offended you, even though they've stung you. You're supposed to speak well of them. That doesn't mean you agree with that person. It doesn't mean that you agree with what they did or, they, or what they said. It's, he's not saying you agree with them. He's saying, you know what, I'm going to bless you anyway. I'm going I'm to do this anyway, right? And so the first thing that we have to do if we're going to battle with the offense is we have to bless them. We have to love on them and bless them anyway. That's hard. That takes the Holy Spirit at work in our life, doesn't it? That takes, that takes some real work. This is, a, this is kind of a stinger. Some of you are like, man, I wish I really would have went to the lake on Memorial Day weekend. Right? That's a real stinger. What's the second thing that we have to do? Well, the second thing that we have to do is we have to focus on what we're saying and what we're doing. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Consequently... Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes from hearing the word, hearing this. Faith grows by hearing this and getting this, soaking our heart, soaking our ears, soaking our thoughts with this, whether it's old-school ink and paper, or whether it's on your phone as an app or a tablet, you just soak it in, right? One of the things that we do sometimes is we'll just, we'll just, Lynn and I, when we go to bed, we'll just turn the Bible on on our app or on YouTube, and we'll just let it read, and we'll lay there and we'll fall asleep to it while it reads the Bible to us. So we just soak it in, right? We just, We just get it in. Because why? Because when you hear something, it gets into your heart, it begins to saturate your heart, And then your faith begins to grow in that. Your your thought life begins to grow in that. Your, Your belief system begins to grow in that. And so when you hear the word of God, you speak the word of God, you soak your heart in it. Think about this. You're hearing it, you're speaking it, you're thinking it, and it begins to grow in you. You begin to You begin to say those Bible verses out loud and all of those things, and that begins to change your focus on the offense or on the issue. But, consequently, the reverse is true. If you're focusing on the offense and focusing on that person, and that's all you're talking about and that's all you're dwelling on, guess what? Your heart is soaking in. Your heart and your thoughts are soaking in that negativity, they're growing in that negativity. They're growing in those negative thoughts. They're growing in those hurtful thoughts. You keep keep the wound open. You keep it alive. You you keep it growing, right? So if we're constantly focusing on the sins of other people, guess what? We're feeding ourselves the sins of other people. And so when you walk around, guess what you're going to see? you're going to see the offenses of other people. You're going to see the sins of other people. Well, they should have done it that way, or they could have said this differently, or they could have acted like that. And as long as you're focusing on the sins of other people, you're going to constantly be looking for it. You will become what you feed yourself. I just, I just had this conversation with my oldest son, and it was a one-way conversation, a very stern one-way conversation just yesterday yesterday. You will become what you feed yourself. So I told him, I said, I'm about ready to cut some of this stuff off, and you're not going to have access to it. You should have seen the look on his face. Well, you don't need to listen to it. It's trash. Right? Like, it's not baby got back trash, but it's still not healthy. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Right? I mean, it's, it's just not healthy. But we become what we consume ourselves with, what we listen to. And so if you're constantly talking about how they offended you and how they did you wrong, or you can't believe how they treated that person, and it's just, oh, and it, then that's all you're going to see, and that's gonna grow in the soil of your heart. Being offended causes you to focus on the sins of other people. It does. So don't allow the sins of other people to become your focus. Just don't. Speak positively about them. Speak scripture over them. Talk about the Bible. What does the Bible say? Why is this so important? Well, not only, as we talked about a few weeks ago, does it damage the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, and it cuts off your prayer life with God. Notice where Peter, when Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 15, If you suffer, however, it must not be for murder, stealing, making trouble, or prying into other people's affairs. Meddling in other people's business. Where does he rank that? Meddling in other people's affairs. Murder, stealing, creating trouble just for trouble's sake. He ranks meddling and prying in other people's affairs right up there with murder. (laughs) Y'all just got quiet on me. (laughs) This is serious business. God takes being offended and and bitterness and allowing that to grow. He takes it as serious as murder. Why? Because Jesus says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You see, we all think about, I need Jesus to forgive me of the sin of flipping that guy off in traffic. You don't understand. God's a holy God. God is so holy that simply a thought, as you are in your heart, so are you. That a thought is sin. So if I could, let's just go back the last seven days and let's examine every single thought that went through your mind that you did not act on. That's sin. That's, I'm not saying that a passing thought is not a sin, but when you allow the thought and you dwell on it and you continue to dwell on it, it becomes sin. A passing thought, and you're like, what the heck was that? Get out of my head. Boom. And you kick it out, not sin. But when you begin to dwell on it, Jesus says, as you are in your heart, if it's in there and you're pondering and you're thinking about it and you're dwelling on it, so what happens? Well, we meddle. I can't. Let's, let's see. Let's, let's get on their Facebook page and let's see how that's playing out for them. You're meddling. Let's get on Instagram. Let's see, how that, let's see how well their life's going after they see what they did to me. You're meddling. Because in your heart of hearts, you want to see them get justice. You want to see karma. You want to see them reap what, they sow, what they've sown. You want to see it. And Jesus goes, guys, that's the same. Peter writes, a, guys, that's the same as murder. Because you're just wanting them something bad to happen to them. Right? He ranks it right up there. Holy cow. Meddling in other people's business when you've not been invited and you're offended and you're just talking about it is right up there with stealing and murder. Why? Because you want something bad to happen to them. Mm, Man, the lake would have been a lot better. (laughs) But not for eternity. Not for your relationship with God. It wouldn't have been better. Right? Right? Being offended, hands over your joy and peace to someone else. When you get offended, you're handing them their your joy and your peace because you're just meddling and waiting. You want to see what happens to them. That's that's not good. So I want to close today with an example. I want to close today with an example of, of David in 1 Samuel chapter 26. Let me set this up before we read it. So here's what's happened. Samuel, the prophet Samuel, has gone out. He's anointed David as the next king because God has said, Saul, you're done being king. You are not ruling the way that I want you to. So Samuel goes out. He anoints David. Saul now has turned against David and said, you will not be king. My son Jonathan will be king, right? And so Saul now has, and the Bible tells us, he garners 3,000 of Israel's best troops. So what's he do? He goes out and he garners the Delta Force, the SEALs right, the rangers, and he gets the best of the best, the elite, the elite of Israel's army, 3,000 of them, and he starts hunting David down. Well, look, you're messing with a boy who grew up in the desert, who herded sheep, who knows the desert like, he's, like the back of his hand, right? And so David flees, and he runs, and he keeps Saul and these best military guys on the run, and a lot of times it is by God's providence and God's, God's protection, But in this particular instance, David looks at a friend of his and he says, let's go to their camp. Let's invade their camp at night. And so we pick up in 1 Samuel 26, 8 through 11. Abishai said to David, today God has delivered your enemy into your hands. Now let me pin him to the ground with one thrust of the spear. Well, let me stop right there. It says that before this, it says when they came in the camp, Saul was laying there asleep and he had his spear laying next to his head. So Abishai basically was going to grab the spear, pick it up, and then jam it through Saul's skull. He's like, look, we can end this whole charade right now. Today, God's handed Saul over to you. Now look at the rest of this. David said, I won't, or Abishai said, I won't strike him twice. One quick blow, spear through the skull, this is over, Your king. Let's do this. But David said to Abishai, don't destroy him who can lay a hand on the lord's anointed and be guiltless as surely as the lord lives he said the lord himself will strike him or his time will come and he will die or he will go into battle and perish but the lord forbid that i should lay a hand on the lord's anointed now get the spear and the water jug that are near his head and let's go david basically said listen As of right now, Saul is anointed king. If I touch the man that God has chosen to lead, it will not be good for me or the rest of you. Let God take care of him. We will continue to run. Get the water jug, get his spear, and let's get out of here. Because what's David going to do? David's going to go, God delivered me into your hands, but I didn't kill you. Look, I've got the spear by your head. I've got the jug that was right there. I could have killed you. Right? And so, David, not if it was anybody else in this room or probably anybody else, he'd be like, Man, I'm so offended at this guy. I'm supposed to have his job, I'm supposed to be king. God's delivered, as Abishai said, Hey, God's delivered him into your hand. Take advantage of it. David's like, Mm-mm. There's an anointing. God has a plan and a purpose for him. I'm not touching him. And when it's time, God will dethrone him and raise me up. David trusted God, even though he had every right to be offended. He had every right to be upset with King Saul. He had every right to be mad and take matters into his own hand. He said, you know what? No, no, no. This is God's plan. We'll let God play it out. I wonder how many of us would have picked up that spear and ran it through Saul's skull and said, now I'm king. Look what God did for me. And taken matters into our own hands. Here's, Here's what I've come to call the, superior, the superiority complex. It's this idea that I've been given an opportunity and I'm better at this than that person is and so I'm going to seize it, right? We, we, tend to, we tend to empathize and sympathize with people who have the same weaknesses as us. So when somebody fails in an area where we're weak, we don't judge, And we have empathy and sympathy. But if somebody fails in an area where we're good at, we're like, well, didn't didn't they see that coming? Why didn't they think this? Because we have a superiority complex that says, well, I would have caught that. I wouldn't have said that. We tend to be less empathetic and more judgmental when it's an area of strength for us, but it's not for somebody else. So we tend to be like, pfft. But let somebody fail where we have failed, and we'll, we'll empathize. And yet it should be the same across the board, right? We have no business judging somebody even though they've offended us. We have no business taking matters into our own hands even when somebody's offended us. God says in the book of Romans, he says, it's my job to get revenge. You love them. This is exactly what David was doing. The, the book of Romans hadn't been written The book of Romans wouldn't be written until several thousand years later. But that's essentially what David was doing. He's like, I'm not taking this matter into my own hands. God is the judge. God will get revenge. I will just keep doing what I'm doing and trust God. So this morning, if you've been offended, I want to invite you, one, to examine your heart. I want to invite you to invite somebody else into your life that can say, hey, are you offended? Deal with it. Speak good of them. Bless them with your words. That's real spiritual maturity. Real spiritual maturity says, you know what, I'm going to bless them and love them anyway. Right? And we're going to focus. We're going to focus on the Word of God and what the Word of God says. And I'm not going to take matters in my own hands. I'm going to do what David did. Even though the man who's hunting me down, trying to kill me, I have every right to be offended. I have every right to be mad. I'm not taking matters into my own hands. Because Romans says that God is the judge Actually, technically it says, vengeance is mine. I will repay those that harm you, you just keep loving. Let God take care of it. Keep your hands out of it. Don't meddle in other people's business, as Peter said. Let's stand up. Let's stand up. Today, I want to invite you to examine your heart. As we close out in the song, is there something that you've seen on Social media that's offended you? Is there a news article that you weren't even involved in? You weren't even in Washington, D.C. or wherever. You just read the news article and got offended. I want to invite you to examine your heart. Say, God, forgive me for being offended. And then ask God to show you, who in my life can I trust to say, hey, 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 are you being offended by this? this? This could damage your walk with Jesus. We need to invite those people into our life as we close out this morning. I'm gonna pray. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your presence in this place. And Lord, though it might be a little warm in here, I thank you that this is, as Amy prayed earlier, it's a reminder that you know what? It's not about our flesh and it's not about our circumstances, it's about our spirit and our soul. So today will be a reminder that, Lord, our soul comes first, our spirit comes first. That's the part of us that lives forever, not this tent that we dwell in called a body. So, Lord, I just pray for each person that's here today. As we examine our hearts, you would show us where we've been offended, where we've been damaged. And, Lord, if we've been passively aggressive with people, forgive us, we hand that over to you. Lord, we want to pray for our enemies. We want to bless them. We want to speak well of them because ultimately it's about our relationship with you and looking more like Jesus and not about us and our desires. Help us to examine our hearts in Jesus' name, amen.